The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. NetSuite by Oracle brings accounting, finance, inventory, and HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce costs everywhere. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. So head to netsuite.com slash wallstreet right now. From the opinion pages of the Wall Street Journal, this is Potomac Watch. Can't anyone here play this game? That's the question for Republicans in Congress as they experience days of political dysfunction in the House and Senate. The House fails in its attempt to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, the Department of Homeland Security secretary, and then fails to pass even a bill to send $14 billion to Israel which has overwhelming majority support, but the House still can't do it. Then the Senate GOP kills a border security bill it claimed to want as a revolt bruise among Republicans against leader Mitch McConnell. What's driving the dysfunction? And what does it mean for getting anything done in Congress? That's our topic and cheerful topic it is here today on Potomac Watch. I'm Paul Gigot, editor of the Opinion Pages, and I'm here with my colleagues, Kim Strassel and Kate Batchelder. Let's start with the Senate. And the failure of the border security bill negotiated by Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma, the recriminations are coming fast and furious. Only four Republican senators voted for the bill. That's Susan Collins of Maine, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Mitt Romney of Utah, and Senator Lankford. So, Kate, uh, who's at fault here? Well, Paul, I think if you go back to the fall and go through some of this history, you'll find that the Senate conference, the Republicans, picked Lankford to negotiate a border deal that could get to 60 votes in a chamber controlled by Democrats. And they picked him because he had some credibility with conservative lawmakers, unlike others that have in the past waded into the immigration debate. So they picked him for that purpose. He came up with a bill that at its heart would change U.S. asylum incentives. But it really was from the start. I mean, before the deal even came out, there was a group of senators who were opposed to it without even knowing the details. And then when the text finally emerged, and I think it was a political mistake to let it go on for so long, it simply collapsed quite quickly and hemorrhaged support from all over the Republican conference in the Senate. The House said it was dead. But this idea has been that it's somehow James Langford's fault or it's some nefarious plot by Mitch McConnell when they responded to their conference's requests and demands to look at border changes in tandem with Ukraine, came up with a product, and then And it just completely dissolved on impact. Yeah, went big splat on impact. President Biden and Democrats already trying to take advantage of this, Kim. They're blaming Republicans for bowing to Trump. And they have a point. That's exactly what they did do. A lot of them were inclined to support the package or at least look at it. But as soon as Trump came out against it, many of them said, well, I don't want to get on the wrong side of him. And then when Speaker Johnson looked like he was not going to even bring it up for a vote, some of them said, oh, I'm not, why should I take a risk and vote for something that has no chance of passing? I think the question is politically right here. One question of the impact of this immigration border security failure is whether the Biden accusation that Republicans are to blame for the problems at the border will work between now and November, given that you know the crisis really emerged on Biden's watch in his first three years, long before this legislative failure. But they are going to try to use this to neutralize the issue. I don't normally have a lot of time for Chuck Schumer's criticism. It's usually off mark, but I think he's got a real point this time. And obviously, the border is Biden's responsibility and Biden's fault. At the same time, Democrats 
Democrats have moved themselves into a policy position that even a couple of months ago they had said that they would never touch. They have given up a great deal on enforcement, now in part because they recognize they have a big border problem. They recognize that only greater enforcement tools are likely to make a difference at this point. But this has been a shift for them. And all along, Republicans had said, hey, you give us border enforcement and we'll be able to sell the Ukraine and Israel package. Let's make a deal. And so now the deal was made and Republicans are fleeing for the hill at the word of Trump. On the question of the politics, do I think that Biden can use this to neutralize this. I think he can use it to some effect, and I think it's going to have a greater impact in places where it really matters, for instance, in the Senate. I mean, the border is very much tied up with Biden's name, but Democratic senators who are for re-election, like John Tester in Montana, for instance, Sherrod Brown in Ohio, they're going to use this to put some distance between themselves and Biden to say, look, I was in favor of doing this deal, giving the president more tools. Don't blame me. It was the Republicans and those guys we're running against here now that made it impossible. So I think that in individual races, Paul, this could be very, very problematic for Republicans. Yeah, there's that recorded vote where Schumer brought up the border security and aid to Ukraine package. The Democrats you mentioned, incumbent Democrats, voted to move to debate. And you can bet that's going to show up in 10 or $20 million worth of television advertising in both of them, Ohio and Montana, maybe $50 million worth of advertising in Ohio as the Senate campaign goes forward this year. Then you also have, Kate, and here, this is almost, I mean, sometimes the cynicism in politics is so great, you just can't keep up. But Chuck Schumer is moving now to just move the supplemental aid bill on Ukraine, Pacific, and uh, Israel, move it forward. And as we are discussing this now, they don't have the votes, 60 votes, to get it through. I mean, they might do it. This is just a vote to open the debate here on the Thursday week. But the Republicans, some of them are saying, well, we don't want to vote even to move to debate until we can guarantee we get amendments on, hold your breath, the border. <laughs> so something they just killed, they now want discrete amendments to basically to say, see, we want to show how tough we are on the border. Well, that was one of the wild things about the debate over the immigration bill last week. There was this magical thinking that if they killed the border deal, that Ukraine funding would suddenly go poof and they wouldn't have to think about it or take a hard vote on it. Now that the border deal is dead, they're saying, wait a minute, we don't want to take a vote on Ukraine because we told people that we would also do our border priorities and trade those national security priorities. Well, that was something to discuss last week. You are seeing now some discussions of some amendments. Some folks want maybe to vote on the House's H.R. 2, but they don't have a lot of leverage with Chuck Schumer right now after the episodes they've been having of dysfunction for several days now. So I do think there are 60 votes to move forward on debate because there are enough Republican senators who understand why Ukraine funding is important, even if you can't get an outcome on the border. But the question is, you know, some of these other, some invulnerable races, some of these other parts of the conference want political cover with a border amendment that has no chance of becoming law. H.R. 2 being that bill on uh, border security that passed the House, it's a very expansive bill that has no chance of getting 60 votes in the Senate. But the Senate Republicans, uh, some of them want to vote on it. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about the uh, ongoing shenanigans in the Senate and the challenge to Mitch McConnell when we come back. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time. 
resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM, let's create. Welcome back. I'm Paul Gigo here on Potomac Watch with Kate O'Dell and Kim Strassel. And we're talking about the Senate dysfunction and an element of this, Kim, kind of simmering behind the scenes of these votes and the failure on the border security bill is the unhappiness by a significant faction, maybe 10, 15 members of the Senate GOP conference with Mitch McConnell, who's been the leader, the longest serving Senate party leader in Senate history. He is not liked by senators like Josh Hawley and Ron Johnson and Rick Scott of Florida. And they are using this example of the border security bill and what they claim was a failed strategy to raise more doubts about McConnell's leadership. And of course, Donald Trump fanning that because Trump and McConnell had a falling out over the January 6th events where McConnell gave a lacerating speech against Trump. And even though he didn't support convicting Trump in that impeachment trial, he did heavily criticize Trump. And Trump, of course, has never forgiven him for that and would love to oust him as leader. There still is not a majority, as I understand it, in the conference to topple Mitch McConnell, but this insurgency makes it harder for him to to govern and control the conference. To be clear, this is not Mitch McConnell's failing, okay? What everyone had agreed to, as Kate laid out last fall, was, okay, we all agree that if we can get to a place where there are some strong border provisions coupled with Ukrainian and Israel aid, that will be the starting point for Senate negotiations. There was broad consensus among that, among the Republican conference. And Langford was deputized to do that. He came back having done it. What's changed is the mood in the House and Donald Trump's interference in this. And look, Mitch McConnell cannot move the mountain to himself. He has to have the buy-in of his members. And if they are all fleeing for the hills because Donald Trump is now saying no, there's not much he can do to salvage that. But it comes at an unfortunate time for him. As we all know, last year he had some health problems. I think it sort of shook some people's confidence in his leadership. They largely held back from criticizing him precisely because of it was a health issue. But now that he seems to be recovered back in the saddle, it's been a new opportunity for his longtime critics to pull out the knives. And, you know, it's hard to see where this goes here. I do not see him being toppled over this because he does still retain the strong support of many members, even those who currently are fleeing from him on this issue of Ukraine and Israel aid. He's been a very strong voice for that aid, which I agree with, by the way. I think one frustration has been that he hasn't always seen the need to get on board with what has been a new desire among Republicans to cut spending. Mitch McConnell is not known for cutting spending, and that's put him a little out of sync with kind of the central gravity of the House right now and some of the parties. So this is going to be a moment for him. I think he gets through this, but I think it does raise a lot of questions in the coming year what happens to Mitch McConnell. Kim, do you agree with Kate that there are 60 votes in the Senate in support of separate aid bill? I think they get there. Yeah, I do. 
you think they get there. The stakes are enormous, Kate, because if they can't pass this, there's going to be no more U.S. military aid to Ukraine. And they're fast running out of ammunition. They're fast running out of uh, 155 millimeter artillery shells in what has become a, an artillery dominated conflict. They need air defenses. And Russia is slowly going back on offensive and gaining some ground. So my sources suggest that if this aid bill is not passed, that in fact, Ukraine is really well on the way to losing the war this year. Yeah, I think this public perception that it's a stalemate has in many ways concealed the fact that eventually somebody will break through. The Russians are trying to break through. So the real risk is too, is that it could happen faster than I think the public's really absorbed to your point this year. And not just them hanging on, but them losing the war this year. I think that hopefully will start to focus more minds in Congress. But the other thing I'd add is that there is other funding in this bill that the senators who oppose Ukraine would say that they want. For instance, there's $11 billion for supporting U.S. troops that are forward deployed to Europe. We've increased our posture there, having more air defenses, more units. That costs money. We are also trying to ramp up our own ammunition lines. It, the Senate bill actually pluses up the Biden request for munitions by about $900 million. That is making giving us bigger capacity when we know that our arsenals have been not what we'd hoped, we'd, that we've had trouble supplying Ukraine. So that starts to fix that problem. So in addition to Ukraine, there's real American priorities here at stake that just don't get any attention in the larger debate. Yeah, that's really interesting. You'd think that that would turn these Republicans into being willing to vote for this. I mean, Kate, how large is the faction in the Senate among the Republicans who really oppose any aid to Ukraine and would vote against this on those grounds? Well, the Senate is not the House. The House has really come closer to 50 percent of Republicans opposing it. In the Senate, cooler heads have tended to prevail, and there are really 10 or 12 who oppose Ukraine funding entirely. So I think that counsels them getting to 60 votes because I think there are more people in the Senate conference than there are in the House conference who are making a substantive case in why supporting Ukraine is in the U.S. core interest. All right, we're going to take another break. And when we come back, we will give the House Republicans their due in the competition to see who can fail with more force and alacrity when we come back. ADP knows anything you hear, anything you don't hear, anything you kind of heard, anything you weren't supposed to hear and now have to pretend like you didn't can change the world of work. From HR to payroll, ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to take on the next anything. Don't forget, you can reach the latest episode of Potomac Watch anytime. Just ask your smart speaker, play the opinion Potomac Watch podcast. That is, play the opinion Potomac Watch podcast. From the opinion pages of the Wall Street Journal, this is Potomac Watch. Welcome back. I'm Paul Go with Kate O'Dell and Kim Strassel. And let's turn to the House Republicans, who also had a not-so-stellar week. And let's listen to Speaker Mike Johnson explain why they have struggled so much, both in to pass even an aid bill for Israel alone and impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, the DHS secretary. We're governing here. Sometimes it's messy. The, you know, the framers anticipated that you would have a system where people with very different philosophical viewpoints that come from different parts of the country and different constituencies would have different ideas on how to resolve their problems. But what they also anticipated is that we'd be able to get in a room and arm wrestle over public policy and come to consensus to move the ball forward for the most people. That is what's happening here. You're seeing the messy sausage making, the, the process of democracy play out. I, I don't think that this is a reflection on the leader, it's a reflection on the body itself and the place where we've come in this country. Um, look, the nation is divided. 
we lament that, right? Um, the, 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 the differences, the chasm between the two parties right now is wider than it's ever been. Well, I do agree, Kim, with uh, Speaker Johnson that it's really not a reflection so much on the leader, it's a reflection on the body. But I disagree with the speaker when he says we're governing. They're doing the antithesis of governing. They are not governing. <laughs> and far from moving the ball forward, they're moving the ball backward. So they're just not doing anything that actually gets done. We can talk about the Mayorkas impeachment fiasco. But the stunning vote for me was House Republicans could not pass this week a aid bill for Israel, which overwhelming members of the Republican Party support. And the reason they couldn't is because they have two Freedom Caucus members, I think it is, two on the Rules Committee, who usually we, you would think would be there to support the majority party's priorities. In this case, they can't get the spending bill through the Rules Committee. So that means they have to go on the suspension calendar, which is jargon for they have to get two-thirds support for the bill. So the bill failed. So you have the narrow majority in the House anyway, and they now may have managed to make things more difficult for themselves by making it a requirement of two-thirds uh, support. So calling this a gang that couldn't shoot straight is really generous. Yeah. You know, once again, I'll be meaner than you, Paul. I, I actually think this is both a failure of governing, but also of the speaker <laughs> for this reason. I mean, in terms of basic member management, let's be clear. When they were going to do the Mayorkas impeachment, they have understood for a long time that three of their members, Mike Gallagher, Tom McClintock, and Ken Buck, were no's on this. That was not enough to get them over the finish line. And yet they brought the legislation, the bill, the resolution to the floor anyway. You don't do that unless you want to be humiliated. And they seem to think that they could just go lean on one or a number of these and all would be well. It's just basic mismanagement. On the governing point, I think that, you know, we had a great op-ed by Mike Gallagher in our paper explaining his no vote on that, explaining why this would open a Pandora's box for retribution in the future with Democratic House going after Republican cabinet secretaries, whether or not this was actually something that anyway counts as criminal behavior, which has been the standard in the past for an impeachment of a cabinet secretary. Why are Republicans putting so much effort into this only to have it fail when, yes, as you say, the things that really matter that are about governing, like this Israeli bill, they've now boxed themselves into this situation where they can't come up with a piece of legislation that they feel that they can move through the rules committee. So now the standard, as you note, is even higher and there's no chance of getting there. Weirdly, you know, because in part you have House Freedom Caucus members who don't like the new iteration of this bill, which didn't do anything to offset the Israeli spending, unlike the prior version of it. The groundwork for all this was set all the way back in the spring when you saw Kevin McCarthy need about three months to pull his caucus together for one bill, the debt ceiling agreement. That was tenuous. And let's just be clear, that was the high point of anything that they have done. I just don't see anything else improving either because they've now just divided into warring camps. Yeah, it's really quite something to behold. By the way, that debt ceiling bill you mentioned, the Congressional Budget Office came out this week with its semi-annual budget outlook document. And what it showed is that that debt ceiling deal is going to reduce the deficits by $1.4 trillion. So that actually accomplished something in terms of spending restraint, whereas nothing else this Congress has done has. And certainly the Freedom Caucus types and others have not. So, um, Kate, uh, one of the things that's unfortunate here, though, is that a, a member like Michael Gallagher who is acting on principle and Tom McClintock, but Gallagher in particular seems to be coming in for an awful lot of abuse 
because he decided he just didn't like the impeaching Mayorkas for the reasons Kim mentioned and others. And in this age of Trumpian retribution, when you don't go along with the priorities of the crowd for whatever reason, you can be punished and they want to drum you out of the party. Yeah, it's remarkable. And it really is all the more remarkable. I agree with Kim, that I do think it doesn't hold up to just say, well, this isn't totally a reflection on who's in charge of the House. I mean, if you think about it, they have the votes to impeach Mayorkas, and they're planning to do so again and have another vote when Scalise is back in town. He's the majority leader. He's out for cancer treatment. So they have the votes to impeach Mayorkas. They simply miscounted how or didn't think the Democrats would make an effort to get one member who had had surgery onto the floor. They should have known that in such a high-profile vote, of course they were going to make a big effort to roll that guy in, which is what they did. And so it is just even more bizarre to expose your members to this kind of heavy incoming when you're just going to say, whoops, we'll try this again next week because we have the underlying votes. So I do think that one was quite a fumble to put that on the floor with no idea of the underlying dynamics. It's more than just member management. I don't think that would have happened under Kevin McCarthy, who I don't think would bring something to the floor, not knowing if he had it in the bag. So I do think it reflects poorly, not just the House as a body. And it is Johnson's other point was that, well, the parties are very polarized. Well, there's no question about that. But that puts a premium on Republican unity to get anything done. You can't do anything without 218 votes. And the problem that Republicans have is that they're shooting at each other, right? They're shooting each other in the back. You can't move forward without somebody like Matt Gates trying to take you out. So it's very difficult to govern in those circumstances. All right, I want to finish today with a listener letter. It's from a gentleman named Rob. It says, let's review the last couple of days. The Republicans try to impeach a cabinet member at fail, fail on providing aid to Israel and Ukraine and won't even consider a border deal they used to want. And why? Because they are ruled by Trump. At least a significant faction and members and numbers are. When will you endorse Nikki Haley? Well, Rob, we don't endorse candidates. And we haven't since 1928. As Kim knows, I was alive then. Uh, <laughs> we endorsed Hoover in 1928. That didn't turn out well. And we were just all essentially shell-shocked after that. So we haven't endorsed anybody since. Now, more seriously, it's true, we haven't endorsed anybody since 1928, and we found that that's useful since what we want to do is inform our readers about what the candidates stand for, who they are, what the stakes are, and then they're smart enough to be able to make up their own mind about who to vote for. You don't need us to tell you that. So that's why we don't endorse candidates. But thank you for writing, and we hope you do find Potomac Watch informative. So thank you, uh, Kim. Thank you, Kate. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back tomorrow and every day with Potomac Watch. This episode is brought to you by Charles Schwab. Decisions made in Washington can affect your portfolio every day. But what policy changes should investors be watching? Washington Wise is an original podcast for investors from Charles Schwab that unpacks the stories making news in Washington and how they may affect your finances and portfolio. Listen at schwab.com slash Washington Wise.